see you coming back in here with fucking jumpsies. I want to see you coming back in here with bloodstained jumpsies, man. I'm not going to anybody go and sit and have a pint with those boys after that. And the referee is looking around and acting of Mickey. Tell the children to play tennis or something. If they want to play tennis, go and play tennis. Hello, how's the form? Welcome to the Three Man Weave, the Boz.eGA podcast. Morris Brosnan here. I'm delighted to be joined by the two boys as usual. Mark Farley, what's the story? What's the crack, Morris? Oh, not much now. And Mick McCarthy, how are things? Good, thanks. I just thought of something there that we all, all our names start with M. That should have been incorporated in the Three Man Weave. Possibly, yeah. Should have had M and M be the... The Three Man Weave. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. We get, or, get on know, to it. We get on to it. Just call Triple M. <laughs> um, we love M and M's. We're going to preview the weekend's games today, the last round of the Super Eights, and we're going to chat to Armaz Roy Grugan. Um, something I'm really looking forward to. But firstly, lads, right? Sat down previewing to, for this podcast, and I wrote out a list of all the vacant manager roles at the minute. So there was the Cork hurling, obviously, and whatever's going on there. Which one are you going to play for? And then you've got all of them. Uh, then you've got London, Wicklow, Wexford. Derry uh, in division you've got Leash obviously and then you've got Fermanagh, Clare, Tip and Monaghan and sure enough before I came in the door wasn't one of them filled Paul Galvin has been nominated the Hurling manager and then <laughs> I thought Dave Myler was going to take that up now keep it in the family Dave Myler take the Cork Hurling yeah. job <laughs> um, we'll talk about the Cork Hurling job in a second Paul Galvin has been nominated as a Wexford football manager this yeah. was this was mooted during the week we weren't really sure if you could read anything into it there was a couple of other candidates listed as well as yeah, Kieran Daly obviously who has just Wexford. yeah just left London so it's now available and um, Paddy Christie was his name has been thrown about mooted, the place yeah. but Galvin has the selection committee have nominated Galvin he's going to be put forward for ratification in September at the next Wexford County Board meeting it's a left field choice. It's a real GA nerds pick. Like we're all going to be enthralled by Paul Galvin. Like, Paul Galvin managing anyone. I think it pretty much pick him ahead of every possible manager, unless it was maybe Jim McGuinness coming back to the GA. <laughs> and uh, the only thing I'm worried about it now is what does it mean for the future of underdogs? Is he going to be allowed? To be a, he's probably not going to be able to be an underdogs manager <laughs> if they're back for another series. That would mean that there, it, it should be imperative that some broadcaster does a fly in the wall documentary of Wexford season now. Definitely, yeah. But Mar- the, marooned as uh, purple and golded. Isn't it such a boost for for underdogs at the same time though that they they might not have gotten a player onto a senior panel this year, but they got a coach. Yeah. So even even if um, Don he was always their selling point, and now they have Galvin. <laughs> now so they got Galvin it's, it's, a job. It's, yeah. it's a dual threat that uh, maybe they come like, back with underdog managers. You said that jokingly. But I mean that has to be what got him a job. Well, you saw you saw what he was like as a as a coach because of it. And as a, like my question with Gavin would be actually as a communicator in a way, like you know, because he's kind of he's got his own ways a little bit, and sometimes that can be hard to explain to people. But it didn't come; it came across like he was perfectly at home as being yeah. a leader and a a boss, you know, in in the show. And he definitely it. knows the game inside out. I'd have a couple of questions about it, but I suppose my 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 question, but my response would be if I'm Wexford and you're at your lowest ever ebb and you're in Division 4 and you could get Paddy Christie or you know like uh, whoever Kieran Dealey and you're like actually we might as well knock a bit of crack out of it you know? <laughs> and it's, it's like Keane like taking over Sunderland uh, when he his first job in management that was like the other yeah. kind of in a, a low ebb they'd lost their first six games in the championship yeah. Yeah. One way other, I, don't, I think he'd be a success but I, I'm a Paul Galvin fanboy so I'm going to say that anyway yeah I think I look I think he will be I'm just saying that in, in terms of if all things were equal wouldn't you go look another thing is when they appointed Davey as the hurling manager a few years ago there was also a big appointment in the football with Banty McEnany at the same time and that went terribly as Davies has gone well and they and look hurling is dominating more than it ever has in Wexford now and it's like if you're f- the football side of it you're thinking ah look Banty wasn't the right kind of person to go and jazz it up to, yeah, yeah but also to compete with Davy Fitzgerald who's such a kind of a media front and centre character so who do we get there's literally four football personalities in the country they could have got to rival Davy and Galvin is one of them like yeah he's also I haven't counted those four now but I presume it's about <laughs> that McGuinness Galvin yeah uh, 
maybe Gavin, just in terms of that he's the manager of possibly the greatest Dublin team of all time. Yeah, but I don't. I still I don't, don't think there'd be a circus around them. Like you need, yeah, uh, yeah, Don yeah, you need or, Donahue, or uh, like, yeah. yeah, Jeff Allen yeah. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd love Jeff Allen to take a job. He can have a job. But Galvin, like, listen to any of his punditry, reading his columns, um, any stuff we've done adventuring before. Like he definitely seems very thoughtful on the sport as a whole. Like you, you could see some sort of random stuff that he's going to come out come up with tactically that he could be one of the innovators that we're waiting for to drive things on to the next level yeah did you think uh, with uh, literally three weeks left in the football season four weeks left in the GEA season that we'd be starting a podcast talking about Wexford football no it's <laughs> probably more interesting than three quarters of the football that's on this weekend <laughs> we'll talk about that football in a second but before we do since we last spoke to you, the hurling Cork manager role has become available because John Myler is not going to he's filled, filled his term and he's not going to stay on since then right uh, Dunlog came out and said he's interested in the role but it looks like Kieran Kingston is going to get it because he's hammered in to be very very short for this role he's this far out favourite at the minute um, there are a couple of other names in that as well Pat Ryan Pat Mulcahy Jeremy O'Sullivan uh, Donald Logue obviously Shawnee McGrath and Jer Cunningham so they they're definitely aren't short on, on options no. on, on candidates I would imagine it could be even be a combination of a few um, I was speaking to Roy McCricker during the week there who's playing in the under 20 final tomorrow for down and he was telling me that uh, Jim O'Sullivan was actually coaching down yeah. behind the scenes this year and did a huge amount of work defensively but not only with their backs with their forwards as well to try and that kind of I suppose Kilkenny element of you're not going to get out from our backs here when you lose the ball no matter who's near you you're going to be you're going to be hit hard and he had nothing but good things to say about Jamie O'Sullivan who was obviously involved in Cork before so I, I, I can imagine of those names being listed I think Shawnee has worked in different capacities in Cork as well Yeah. so Shawnee was a selector under uh, JBM the last time he was there then Kieran Kingston came in with uh, the Rock as his yeah. number two that was a very successful team that came from nowhere I remember Mark we had Dimmer O'Sullivan in for a show that we were doing and it was kind of in the he was talking about whether they'd be back or not and he was doubtful and we were like what really like you know and then it turned out that Kieran Kingston did step down after only two years of a three year term and nobody really knew why because Cork looked like they were on the precipice and obviously Myler was one of the selectors and took over and the first year there again they kind of stayed on that precipice and then fell back a little bit this year so all of them have been involved obviously Jerk Cunningham has been involved in different guises for years and his last with Dublin I think he's you know he's still someone that's just so highly thought of in Cork that you know he'll definitely be a contender at least you know and then like, like Don Logue for me there's is, a groundswell of support for Don Logue I think it'd be a terrible choice and I, I don't actually care if he's the best coach in Ireland I think it would be a terrible choice for Cork to appoint Don Logue because I think he's a he's a troublemaker who is always looking for a fight and I think that's the last thing they need that's what a Wexford or a Clare or whatever you know a Davy style county maybe a Waterford yeah that really works for them it's us against the world you know we're we're the underdogs and like come and get us you know I don't see the Cork players with their pedigree and their history and their tradition rowing in behind that kind of attitude well, I'll tell you one man who doesn't have much time for Don Lowe's managerial record. That's Sherlock Nan. Sherlock <laughs> Nan in his column today has... Uh, he's torn strips out of the lads, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> just a couple of small small highlights, right? Um, on Don Lowe's managerial record, it was only when he left Clare and the management put Connor into full forward and played a more direct style that the banner got back to Crow Park. True. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just going to fact check it all the way through. Here. On his punditry, uh, this is including Derek McGrath here. These two clowns don't believe this, but Hurling has always had intelligent players. He, he goes on to call them Muppets. He says the whole thing was, quote, it became all about justifying themselves with both exposing their pathetic egos. McGrath was even crying about what someone had said about him in the Sunday game three years ago and Cusie comically brought up the British rule at that, of, of Ireland. <laughs> um, at that stage, the producer should have shoved both of them out the exit door and left the rest of the programme to the excellent Brendan Cummins. <laughs> <laughs> Show Des out while you're at it. Just have Brendan Cummins on his own. <laughs> so Brendan, uh, it's like, did not happen at Opera Match Sketch? Do you think of one where was it Frank was left on his own? Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> He, he also says that Orti made the wrong choice that Michael Ryan should have got the uh, the job as a Sunday game pundit not McGrath 
but he said that uh, he was recruited and again going back to this by the Cinder game for the simple reason that his bluff had already fooled gullible journalists and also fooled the heads in RT as well now I'd count myself amongst those gullible journalists yeah. because I was a big fan of McGrath's punditry and still am um, it's, this is the staring strips out of you Morris it, it, this is the it's the latest in a we call, what do we call this on Monday the Sunday game Civil War the Sunday yeah, so uh, this is yeah. the latest escalation and you've got some com- coming back from the dead some <laughs> com- it's like the Undertaker t- uh, coming out with the coffee yeah we had talked about him he's coming, a, a recently retired guest referee or something <laughs> yeah. he's referee oh, he'd be the crookedest referee yeah. there'll ever be he's taking yeah. swings always yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's stone cold Steve Austin joining the alliance at the last minute of WWE invasion like you can laugh about that and Lucknan is Lucknan I suppose is there's a sort of a there's a feeling of that and some you can get your back up about it or not or not depending on how, how what you want to do I think really because you know what he's like there's an element of that kind of backlash though and those kind of words that one, I think, throw Don Logue and McGrath in together, which I don't think is fair. And then the other part of it is the whole thing isn't fair. Like, you can legitimately criticise their um, what happened on the Sunday game, which we talked about on Monday, and I think have and, and have a lot of points before, like, you know, before you get to being unfair. And another part of that is Don Logue came out and defended himself during the week as well. Like, you know, he's well able to fight back. Didn't address the point that most people had a problem with and just went on the British rule thing and he was very holier than thou and, you know, too smart for everybody who doesn't understand what I'm talking about kind of attitude, which really pissed me off. But that's just more shite back, to be honest, from Lucknan. Do you know what I mean? You can't just, just because you, you agree with his point of view over the other one doesn't mean he didn't go way too far in that and you're like god everybody else is just here having a discussion about how you analyze hurling and then suddenly it's like all this kind of name calling and bullshit like weird this like it's just mad <laughs> like if you think about it, imagine this happening now it's your the premier league season between sky and bt sports where like jamie redknapp's writing in his column about the muppets on bt sports having a clue how to analyze what were they doing bringing in peter crouch they should have brought in uh, i don't know who else is retired from the game fucking uh, dean whitehead or someone <laughs> <laughs> they made the wrong choice dion dublin we should like just on on the point though right, right? like like there's there's the to my mind the division is as much about like the, within the Sunday game pundits, whatever you call it, as the kind of there is, there's definitely a kickback against like the forensic detailed analysis that I think we're probably all fans of here, but a lot of other people clearly aren't and they don't want to hear about it. Like the it's funny, I was chatting to Joe Canning during the week, was really interesting on this, and he, he said that like the scale of change in the game in the last in his career so that's what 10 years has been frightening to the extent where he he said he was watching a game in 2008 of himself playing and he watched it back this year and like supposed greats of the game were getting the ball and lumping it anyway like their use of possession if they were playing now they'd be taken off after two minutes like the the game has just totally changed and he needs but like pundits need to change with it like they can't, you can't be so reluctant against I can I offer a counterpoint there? Or sorry, do you finished? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Like, just the counterpoint on this, right, is that if you actually listen to Michael Dignan say, analyse the game, or Brendan Cummins, or whoever, they absolutely have changed. They completely understand the modern game. They don't hide it at all. They don't think that you shouldn't be short passing. They yeah. don't think anything. They have an issue with a certain type of sweeper system. I wouldn't think they have an issue with all sweeper systems. You heard Michael Dignan talk about it um, during the week on Second Captains, where he was talking about half-forwards have always tracked back. Yeah, yeah. It's these people who are pretending it's a new thing as innovative that are actually the problem now what I think is and there's a bit of that in Lucknan it's like behind all the bluster you can see what his real problem is and he mentions it I think about the intelligent hurlers there I think that there's a genuine feeling of who are these people who are smugly condescending and suggesting they're the first ones to ever think about the game and I think that you know all of these people who do it but they might like talk more about the the kind of the passion or the physicality or the manliness as I think Dignan said last week or whatever you know more it doesn't mean they don't understand the game it doesn't mean they don't understand oh, how to sure, have tactics yeah. and all. and I think that there's a there was a suggestion and I think it, I think it reached a boiling point on Sunday that wasn't there before because the suggestion was I'm just going to explain to you now why you're completely wrong and I'm right yeah over something that there wasn't as big a divide in as he suggested. You know, so Don Logue suge- created this divide for no reason, really, on the back of what happened last week. It wasn't relevant to last week's games at all. Created this divide to kind of cast everybody else aside and suggest that him and Derek were the only two who actually knew what was going on in the game of Hurling. 
Yeah, I have a conspiracy and Davey. theory. Okay, oh, sorry, you finish your. No, no, no. Davey was with them in the in the in the two people. Yeah, I have a conspiracy theory, and I think Mick McCarthy's in on it. I think Morris, you're just uh, a pawn and all this like myself. This is a very scurrilous play by the hurling punditry in general and hurling in general to steal the limelight from what is an enthralling weekend in the Super 8 Football Championship. Um, <laughs> we are 20 minutes into a podcast now. We haven't yeah. mentioned football once. The we whole did. back pages... Well, apart from that, uh, the whole back pages of the sport now are just going to be... You know, it's all, all week's been dominated by hurling and the state of hurling and hurling analysis and tactics in hurling. There hasn't been a mention for Roscommon against Cork. Uh, I've said stay quiet until now, but... I've had enough of it. I'm, 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 I've, had, I've had it up to here with this ploy by all the hurling lads. They're all sitting in a WhatsApp group telling going, that's it now, lads. We have them. There hasn't been. They're three things into the Morning Ireland sports bulletin and they haven't mentioned the football yet, boy. <laughs> so just to ignore everything that Mark said, what do you think about that, Morris? <laughs> the, you know, like the, the, <laughs> my biggest issue with, just finally, before we move off this, right, the don't on the RT podcast where he defended his comments and last week both times he said that Dave Fitzgerald shouldn't have to be forced to defend this and that is the, the crux of his entire argument is that Dave Fitzgerald shouldn't have to defend himself against this that after the game he's speaking about the sweeper nobody asked him about it that's what I'm saying he brought, he it, up brought it up he brought it up yeah. himself No, in that post-match press conference in Kropak so people wouldn't have seen this because it's a print section it wasn't broadcast nobody asked him about it he brought it up himself that's like, the thing Is the weird thing is I actually kind of agree with everything Don Logue was saying or like the what the point you're trying to make and also the Brit the British thing I disagreed with him to a point but not that it's laughable it's not like yeah, that's yeah, a laughable I, suggestion I get what you're he worded it arse ways yeah. but he actually had it's it like, yeah. yeah it is a good point but I think that might be a, just a cultural th- across cultures it's not just a British thing of being a you know, conservatism yeah. or whatever but it was just the timing of it it was like exactly well, yeah. this is a, and on that thing as well just going back to Myler whatever about who replaces him I feel so sorry for John Myler and I also feel so sorry for David Fitzgerald and it's and also the Limerick players and it shows you what an incredible time it is for the sport that you could be like so invested in every county <laughs> the yeah. Ireland. it's like this is so sick that the Cork didn't win it but at the same time it's so sick that Limerick did make the final and Wexford and yeah. what, we want them all to win but sure like I literally last week I'm sitting around and I just out of nowhere I just went Jesus, Galway had a great chance to win the All-Ireland this year if they just got past that one more match. It's like they're gone about two months and I just started yeah. randomly feeling sorry for them. <laughs> um, right, lads, it's time to talk about some Gaelic football before Mark explodes. Um, so we're going to preview the four, well, two. We'll talk about four, but there's really only two that kind of matter. Basically one. Um, we've more hurling coming up as well because, Mark, you've got a game for the end of the podcast. Yeah. And we're going to chat to... Mark insisting on more hurling there. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, given the success of the Yes No uh, tiebreaker last week, I'm intru- introducing a new game, a new, yes, a new Yes No game separate to Guess the Handicaps, which is going to be Guess David Fitzgerald's favourite film. I right. know what it is. So, geez, we have a bit of time to think about it, so. Yeah. And Rory Grugan, we're going to chat to him in a couple of minutes as well. But we're first, not going to play that with him, though. <laughs> <laughs> the weekend's games, lads. The weekend's games. Mick, you're going to referee. I am. I lost the tie break to you last week, remember? Thriller. In, uh, yeah, you guessed Martin's story before I did. It was nothing to do with the handicaps of the game, but that had been a draw. So, um, yeah, we uh, have four games. Some of them are interesting, some of them aren't quite. I'm just going to go with the order I have written down, which I believe is the chronological order of the matches. Uh, we'll start in Navan for Park Halchen, Mead versus Kerry. Replay of the 2001 All Ireland semi final. Morris, the first match you ever went to. Yeah, it's, this is a weird game. That's, that's a good. Whoa, good show. Yeah. One game was a weird game, but definitely was. That was one game was a very weird game for me. Um, I mm. met. I was going into the grounds. Kerry got five points that day, did they? My stand up memory is standing in the Hogan Bar as, as a five year old and meeting James O'Connor. My uncle bringing me over and saying he's a big fan. I had no clue. <laughs> 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 <I was> like, <laughs> like, like at that age, if people weren't wearing a jersey and a helmet, I wouldn't even recognise them because it was the way I heard them was. So, but I, James O'Connor. Yeah. Put the helmet on. <laughs> oh, James, you want <laughs> <laughs> It's like Dougal with a blue jumper. Kerry um, Mead, lads. This is a bit odd, right? The only result that Gary guarantees Kerry a specific position is a one-point loss. So if they got a one-point loss, that means they're definitely getting second spot, regardless of what happens in Mayo and Donegal. However, every other scoreline, they're going to depend on what happens in Castlebar. 
So if it's a draw or a win, Kerry are pretty much guaranteed qualification, whether it's first or second, depends on the other game, obviously. Likewise, if they lose by two or more, that'll mean second or third. Um, so that basically, Kerry need to win. Like They still need to win. That is kind of pressing for them. Just take control out of the other game, win the game and you're safe you're whatever you know after that um the other thing that i'm curious about this game right like to what extent would ye i think i've got a theory i think Stephen o'brien shouldn't play this game so Stephen o'brien they've named the team Stephen o'brien is starting and i it's unbelievably harsh if you take him out of the te- team because it could prove really costly in terms of costing him an all-star but Stephen o'brien has got two yellow cards now already this year so if he gets a black card in this game which he's very liable to do He's missing for a semi-final. He's gone. Why is it so not, liable is it to not? get a black card in the game? Because think about the... Like, Stephen O'Brien is the man who probably should have been sent off against Donegal for the penalty. At the very least, that could have been a black card. It was a body check. And he's... That's... He's, like, full-blooded. That's what he does. He's, like... That is how he... Think about him tracking back, running down after... I remember against Mayo, it was close again. Chasing back after Keegan, running in behind him and clipped his heel. Um, so if if you get a combination of yellows or blacks, if he gets a black card in this game, he'll miss the semi-final. Can you appeal them though? Like, so he could, he Peter could, Hart he could, appealed... He, he, you appeal all three at yeah, the same he, he time appeal, after you get three, isn't he it? You could appeal all three, but his, you got a yellow card against Clare and a yellow card against Donegal, which were a stonewall definite. Like, I... It's a stupid... I, I, there's, there's a very good chance that he could have been sent off against Donegal. I mean, the... He didn't. He wasn't booked for the penalty. Don't forget. He came off, came back on, and then got the yellow card. So he didn't get anything for the penalty. Um, got a yellow card when he came back on. So if he gets a black card in this game, he'll miss a semi final. I think it's a big risk to take for a game that like you. Yeah, you should win. Anyway. You should win. You, you have to win. You should win. But you could win without him. I think. Um, the other thing is that for a lot of the Kerry's players, this is this will be five championship games. So it's not actually that huge a strain compared to other ones but he's played in every single game and his minutes are quite high so he might the, and given, he's a workhorse exactly yeah so yeah. given that given that the break would do him good and the situation with his suspension I, I think he probably shouldn't start this game yeah it's probably not a mad thing to come up with as in like it's not the end of the world like even you're saying oh it's a big risk maybe to drop on and come back for you but if you're if the I game's don't think tight it is, after yeah. 40 minutes bring him on exactly yeah it's not like you're cutting from the squad yeah uh, what's the handicap though I'll start with Mark Mead versus Kerry Kerry minus see Mead have put up a good, couple of good performances they've kept it tight so it's probably going to affect the bet with anything Mead minus or oh, sorry Kerry I should say Kerry minus four Morris no it's, it has to be more than that Kerry against Mead and Mead who are already out but sure I'm not telling you <laughs> he does this every time he gets yeah. scared that he's wrong <laughs> yeah, he gets worried that you might know something, even though you also might not. I could have just been an idiot there and said minus four. Go with what you think. Carry minus five. Ah, you coward. Carry minus seven. I would have, yeah, I would yeah. have said nine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was just an idiot that said, but I was thinking Mead at home. So Mead, this is one of the weird things about the Super 8s as well. Like, Kerry need to go and win this game, but Mead are out. Yeah. Either on their summer holidays or going back to championship or whatever it is, you know that the, I think the, I think the first round of me championships and the is in three weeks, so they have a bit of a break. Um, it's the weekend of the All Ireland football final, like so. I I just don't understand what the motivation is, and it's it's what really annoys me about this competition. I'll get to it more in a minute when we talk about the the pointless game of the weekend. Uh, Mayo versus um, Donegal. Donegal. We don't have much to say in this game, I'd say, do we? No. No. They called Mikhail Park. Can I, can do I, or die. Yeah, there's there's a list that we're gonna we're gonna move through here. A list of uh, relevancies for this game, right? I've made. I've made a, this is the, <laughs> this is where I've planned out. You've not so, only made a running order for the podcast. You've made a running order, order for, for this particular game. Yeah. This is so Saturday night on Sky Sports. We've got about forty five newspapers here for listeners. We're going with we're going at Rochford side to play matchups and then replacements. We'll, I mean, we might fit another thing as well. As well, first thing, Stephen Rochford. The reason I bring that up is right. There's um, I don't understand. I do not understand why this report didn't make more waves this week, but. There was all kinds of rumours about Rochford when he left Mayo and I'm sure we all heard them and you didn't know what to read into it. But Christy O'Connor wrote a profile in the Sunday Times last Sunday ahead of this game which was on Saturday so that was their preview obviously. And in Christy O'Connor's profile there was some really interesting stuff that I don't know why it didn't make more of a 
I actually don't know why. Genuinely don't know. I have no explanation for this. Um, I'm just going to read out a couple of different segments of it here, Mark, and I'll let yeah. you decide what what you make of this, right? I'm still so, like, I mean, how where are you getting all these newspapers from? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I like to read newspapers. <laughs> um, so this is him detailing what happened last year. Uh, so obviously everybody remembers that horrendous Marion Finucane interview where the, these male cowards sent in anonymous texts about his reign and he'd answer them on the air. I remember that. that. So he went through posts. Okay, just so he was put on, he, he went on to an interview with uh, Miriam McCallaghan and then he got texts in about the different criticism of his reign about that he'd cost them all Ireland and he, these people were texting him in Mayo fans and he didn't know, well maybe they weren't Mayo fans, we don't know and he didn't know who they were and he'd respond to them on air as the texts were coming in. Um, which was it was pretty incredible so after that August announced that he'd be staying on to serve a two year extension given to him in the, aud- the autumn of 2017 Tony Buckley McEntee and Peter Burke has stepped away before he submitted an, his names of Mayo f- former Mayo captain Peter Ford and his joint manager Peter Ford's joint manager Brafey Shane Conway when the county's board of executive committee didn't endorse Rochester's new selectors he stepped down the next day so we all knew that that was basic what we didn't know yeah. 10 days earlier five board officials met with three players for an annual review meeting so man management issues and the potential makeup of a new backroom team topped the discussion points the mood favoured a change that's the meeting between the county board and a players selection committee sorry, group of players that we don't know who these players were the mood favoured a change especially when James Horn was open to a possible return so that's basically essentially that that, um, it went on to confirm the players didn't want their names anywhere near mention of another player heave that was never the case with Rochford but not making a collective stand after he walked away was the loudest declaration of all Rochford was hurt but he didn't let the, that disappointment fester so that's the background to Rochford going to Donegal right that was so I, we'd heard there was all kinds of stuff at the time but we never knew really about what meetings that happened beforehand we now know what the players met with the county board and the, as Chris outlines there, the mood favoured a change. So I can only imagine the hurt that Rochford would have now coming into this game. And I, I do you remember before the carry, after the carry, I'm sorry, Aidan O'Mahony and, um, and Trevor Mortimer were tweeting about Donny Buckley and his fingerprints were all over this carry. They just totally, Donny Buckley, who used to manage yep. with, uh, select with uh, Mayo, is now working with Kerry. His fingerprints were all over this. Like That was their downfall. Rochford surely is capable of having a similar impact this weekend. Yeah, um like this is it's what would you call it, the ace in the hole that Declan Bonner has and like that's like there's two aspects to this there's Rochford obviously and the impact he's had with them and the way that the width they're playing with all the different like again you can see the fingerprints of Rochford all over it but there's also Bonner like I feel like Declan Bonner's probably almost licking his lips as a Tony Gall manager who's all the media attention has just been taken away from him and he's been left alone to sort of he might be devising something else himself that uh, I don't think I don't know if he's getting even enough credit for the this turning out him like they were a hell of a team last year as well they probably fell a bit short in the last 15-20 minutes against Tyrone yeah. but I just do think that there is also that element that is almost like it's an unknown this isn't Tony Buckley versus Stephen Rochford as much as it as it's a brilliant uh narrative as well going into it but there's also the fact that it's Peter Keane versus Teclan Bonner yeah yeah Mick on that like the well it's James Horan or they're not playing Kerry oh, sorry yeah 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 so, um, on, on that Mick how much control would you say would you put down to Rochford like how much control does the sector have over style play the reason I ask that right there's a there's a narrative out there this week that Donegal should reverse to a more defensive structure because Mayo uh, seemingly struggled with that and that's their best chance of beating Mayo at home so they should abandon the game that they played against Kerry yeah. and now that game from what we know about Rochford he seemed to favour that kind of football so what like I don't know we probably don't know but to what no, I think your guess though would be that the manager is in charge and they work on it together as a team and they probably sit in a room together and concoct a plan that's their plan. You know what I mean? It's almost like you need to look at it like, you know, from an NFL standpoint, you know, you might have your offensive coordinator and your head coach. The head coach is is ultimately kind of... the, The offensive coordinator is, you know, making the calls on what plays they're doing, but the head coach has has told you the style they want to play. And yeah. you know the head coach is ultimately making the decisions as to, and, and is responsible for it. And I think Bonner is like there's no sense to me that Bonner is like a puppet manager or anything like that. That that Rochford is actually in there running things. Like Bonner has more managerial pedigree than Rochford anyway. Like you know what I mean? It's not like it's 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 this kind of like you know guy at the, at the head of the table who's from Donegal. I'd imagine they just working that together. I I can't see Donegal changing their style of play because I think 
Dave, Mark mentioned they were a good team last year that weren't that far off, right? But they were, they didn't look like All-Ireland contenders last year. They looked like a good team who were never going to beat Dublin and ultimately weren't good enough to be thrown either, you know? Whereas I feel like they've come on a lot this year and they just look like that extra element. And I think their players are playing with a gusto that I don't think we saw last year. And I think they're a lot more dangerous going forward. And I think that's the formula that they found. Why would they change it? And especially when you look at the, the look over Mayo's year this year. I mean, the last time they lost was against Kerry, who were all out attack. Um, Armagh should have beaten them. Well, could have beaten them. Came very close to beating them. Again, a really offensive strategy. Like, there's no there's no evidence to me to suggest that a defensive game plan is as much. I like the one common theme is Mayo's form. That's not the everything else is kind of fair variables. Yeah, I don't understand though. Like, they should switch. Like, Donegal at for a lot of games that they've played maybe not so much against Kerry but throughout Ulster they floated bodies back they floated bodies back against Fermanagh they floated, bo- floated bodies back against, against Throne they floated them against Cavan when they needed to like there's no for them to do that against Mayo isn't some sort of mad tactic change up, yeah. change up. Yeah. Like, they're going to do that you can almost be guaranteed they're going to do that it doesn't mean that they're going to suddenly become Donegal a 20 Ten or eleven, when they were like, yeah, you know, there are times when half. there are times when Tyrone have Mac, or Tyrone Donegal have McBrearty and Brennan ready to jump, and everybody else in fully defensive positions. Yeah. Like, yeah, so like, like a lot of times during the game. Yeah, yeah that's guaranteed. But they do get men forward as yeah, well. Did, like, yeah, yeah exactly. And that's the and that is the one constant. Regardless of if they, that's what I was getting at. Regardless of if they like if their inclination is to be a bit more defensive or if it's to go the way they, they a bit more offensive like they did against Kerry the one thing that is common throughout is that their ability to move the ball really quickly through the lines regardless of how they play yeah. that's always there so that's all like in a, in a, that is the one constant and that's something that it, you, you would think would trouble Mayo regardless of how they set up the only other thing as well lads is Michael Murphy so there's been an idea certainly this year um, or certainly this week sorry that Aidan O'Shea might take Michael Murphy. And I think when you look at this year, right, uh, what what is the player you want to mark Michael Murphy? It's somebody athletic who can compete with him in the air and has defensive capabilities. So Shane Enright did it for Kerry and actually probably won the first half of the first half, that like initial period, he won that his battle. But when Murphy came out the field and did what he did, his influence, he grew into the game, I guess. Uh, Killian Clark tried to do it for Calvin to probably less success but still didn't do badly um, you go back to I remember Liam Silk did it for Galway I know uh, Park Hampsey did it for Tyrone Mayo have a carbon copy in Lee Keegan like it seems like such an obvious call that the only reason not to do it is because it's so obvious like why would you deviate away from that yeah the only thing is you do a lot from Keegan for what he can bring to punish Johnny Gall and it's something that they might need Uh I was thinking if you were mentioning this earlier on I'm thinking who is possible but like Shami O'Shea does he have the the nimble like what's weird about uh, Murphy is for so, for such a big man he's so actually nimble um, that's kind of what Lee Keegan can bring to it as well he's also from that he's almost like they're like players who should be a lot shorter than they are if that makes sense <laughs> yeah. at times but uh, and Shami O'Shea maybe we definitely can match them physically it's just that sort of like if he gets a yard away from you know gets a yard this way or left or right that he can get away from O'Shea but aside from him then and also just O'Shea have it in the tank from only coming back from injury to do something like that um, maybe but, you do half and half though do you yeah, yeah. like I'm just thinking I wouldn't put Aiden O'Shea near him no, I, I agree with you, yeah no, no, I know, yeah. I know. Sorry, I'm just going back to Morris's point. I, I, like, yeah. I think there's good options there in everything you're saying, but I think the worst thing Mayo could do is put Aiden O'Shea, take Aiden O'Shea out of the game, someone that they need to do to win. Like, I don't, like we're talking 100 years ago here, but I remember the All-Ireland quarterfinal in 2013 against All-Ireland champions Donegal time when Mayo destroyed them. That's one of the best football... Aiden O'Shea's performance that day was one of the best performances I've ever seen in Crow Bar. He can do untold damage and... They're just not putting him in those roles and putting him on a man marking job would be the worst thing you could it'd, do. It'd yeah. be insanity. He, when he's best is when he drops off and forces turnovers and gets on the ball that way and kind of. And think about like if Jason McGee. So we don't know what stories with McBurty, who's has a tight hamstring. We don't know what stories with McGrath, Neil McGee, or uh, sorry, uh, Neil McGee, or who has come off injured? Jason McGee. Jason McGee came off injured as well. Uh, we don't know what stories then, but if, say, Jason McGee got a hamstring injury, that's a quick turnaround if he's come back. Darrow Braille came on for him and ended up on Jermaine O'Connor in midfield. If, for example, you Darrow Braille on Aidan O'Shea, you'd fancy him to do that all day. 
You, they, yeah. they, two of them play their game like match up match up nobody this old school midfielders you do you yeah. do your job and I'll do mine I think Donny Vaughan's also an, an option ahead yeah, of yeah. Aidan O'Shea in that again it's that thing of like Donny Vaughan I know he's out playing around midfield but he's a defender he's at least a trade, defender yeah good point and you can again afford like if you're saying right you have a choice between Donny like say if you're really like if you want and like this could be the, uh, the perfect argument to make is that whoever's a Michael Murphy if you don't touch the ball for 70 minutes, it doesn't make a difference. You're just out to stop Michael Murphy. Well, then you'd sacrifice probably Donny Vaughan on the ball compared to Lee Keegan yeah, but, or Aidan O'Shea. But, but Mark, if that's like, if you think about what David Warren did to Vaughan from kickouts, what will Michael Murphy do yeah. over to Vaughan from kickouts? I, 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 I feel like it, it's, it's somebody a bit more like, I, I think Vaughan is a great player, but it's somebody with a bit more like physical steel to him, like uh, who will swing a sword. And I, I think it has to be Keegan. I think it has. Like, what's that thing to us? Hammer to hammer. Like the, you, if you've got something like Keegan, I think it's the it's such a standout obvious choice. The only reason not to do it is if you're trying to be. And I think if you don't do it, you're trying to be too clever. And that's why you you wouldn't match up with Keegan on Michael Murphy. Yeah, look, uh, just presenting alternative alternative yeah. facts as uh, <laughs> Sean Watson's face. We'll, we'll see who James Horan agrees with on Monday, I think. Uh, but, uh, but the other well, thing just on that is that you also have to so late. We have to account for um, what happens on the ground around Murphy. So yeah, you yeah. need lads yeah. who are sweeping Murphy's <laughs> breaks and you might need Lee Keegan to stop Ray McHugh from <laughs> tearing through your half-back line but if Dirk, when if he wins the break from if, Murphy's knock-on. In my head, right, if you were to build, like, you build this down, you're like, so who'll take McBrady? I actually have a couple of options. Like, I think uh, Barrett is, is well fit there. Who'll take uh, Ray McHugh is obviously a huge question after the last day. Durkin, if he's fit, is perfect for that. He, 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 the job he did on Shane Walsh, he, he's spot on for that. So then it comes down to who'll take Michael Murphy and Keegan, he's the arch- <laughs> he's built for that job. Jason Brennan, is I think higher on that list than Paddy McBrady, Jamie Brennan. Yeah, oh, Jamie Brennan. I was saying Jason Brennan. Um, but uh, and you don't want Boyle to end up having to mark someone like that. I don't think. I think in an ideal world he'll drop off and sweep, which means that. So then, if in in my scenario, you probably end up with Cone on Brennan, which maybe isn't ideal. But or with Keith Higgins if he starts. Keith Higgins could take Brennan as well. Keith Higgins is not a good man marker. I heard that somewhere before. <laughs> right. Come on, we got to get the spread on is these this, and then this, tell me it, who's going to win. Morris is going first. Casabar, match of the weekend. I'd say Donegal minus... I, three, no, two. Donegal minus two. Okay, Mark. It's definitely Donegal minus two. Uh there's no way it's not Donegal minus two. What am I doing? I here? think, I, yeah, I think it's three oh one. I'm just going to say Donegal minus three. You should have went the other way. It's Donegal minus one. What? Yeah, Mayo. Jeez, minus two was the most nailed on search there. Gee, I always add that. one or two to what you think Mayo is going to be because they get the public money a lot. Um, still living on reputation a little bit. Or we'll see. Do you think they're going to win? One word answers. Or no. Donegal? Or who's going to win? Donegal. Donegal. Right, I think Donegal too. I think Donegal can win handily. I've been saying handicap. that for a few weeks. Well, I think yeah, if they win, they'll more than likely beat the handicap at one point. Um, we don't have much time for either of these two games. They're completely pointless. Cork and Roscommon, I've worked it out, lads, is officially the first game in the history of the Gaelic Football Championship where there is nothing to play for. Roscommon played Dublin last year where nothing could change, but at least Dublin were going on to play in All-Ireland semi-final the week later, they could have got something from the game. At least there was something to, to be taken from it. These two teams are playing a dead rubber in the All-Ireland Football Championship. And if there isn't a bigger, uh, if there isn't a bigger indictment of the Super 8 format, I don't know what is, but uh, who's going to win? And it's, it's even in Parker Inn. The Cork County Board didn't even bother to keep Parker Cueve open for this game. On that idea, right, this is, this is an interesting suggestion. Uh, Colm O'Rourke had on this, just one word on this, right? Colm O'Rourke suggested that this game should actually be cancelled. That If you think about it, last year Roscommon revealed they were spending in the region of 15000 per week on preparation of their inter-county side. That means that the two weeks that have come over from the Dublin game, which is, again, as Mick has outlined, this game is totally pointless. That's 30000 30000 disappearing for a game that doesn't even matter. They're obviously going to have to travel down to Cork. And then you've got the situation, the impact this is going to have on clubs in both counties. Yeah. Now, I know a couple of Cork players played club games last week, but nevertheless, it's still pressing. And like, to, they can't do it because of the replications, but it would, wouldn't be some statement for us common through this game said we're not going down there. Yeah. The, 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 because it, it is, as Mick has said there, it is, like, Cork will 
that you could try and convince players listen if we got some points in a Super 8 we could build on something next year and Cork football is flying minor and, 20, and under 20 at the minute but still there still is the absolute fact that this game is entirely pointless in the championship in August like that's that's my real point is like take take what we saw in the hurling championship last year last week or whatever and think that there's only two teams left in the hurling championship at this time and we have to watch on TV a dead rubber in the football championship it's absolutely bonkers and they've shortened the season in theory for the club teams but what they've actually just done is to try and make more football te- football games and this is what we're left with you know, it it really annoys me. It just it really annoys me. Now I know it's it's, but Mark, do you know what? Just tell Norman me what minus the spread is. One. No, Cork minus one. Cork minus two. We'll move on. It's three 0 tomorrow. It's an unassailable lead. Mayor this week. It's an unassailable lead. Now the, we don't have much time for this. Uh, we've got Rory Grogan waiting patiently. Tyrone, I'm playing Dublin and Oma. It's a pity this doesn't mean much, but we could have told you that when we saw the draw for the Super 8s. What can either team get out of this, bearing in mind they might meet another All-Ireland final in three weeks' time? Dublin get a lot out of this because Dublin are Dublin. Uh, So Dublin had a backroom team. I saw the the RT Examiner point today. Dublin had a backroom team up in Oma, fishing around ahead of this game. Um, One of their backroom teams. Fishing in Oma. Oma. Um, (laughs) Did not catch much fish up there. They... this thing about fostering what they're going to try and foster with their squads we're not we won't get into it because we've talked about it infinitely as does everybody else I, this is the game that is tailor made for Jimmy Connolly if he's ever going to play it this is the game that you'd see him probably not to start but I think in some capacity um, he Jeremy could Connolly would have been a more interesting appointment as Wexford manager <laughs> 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 um, so, so yeah, you, you probably get something out of that as well. I, like Tyrone, this is it reminds me of something about rugby. Like you, you see South Africa and New Zealand playing now, and both it's it's just a game of skulking daggers. Like neither team wants to show them their first strike phase. That's, phase what, is, and that's what I think that Tyrone are better off losing this game. Like they don't want to go out and introduce some new tactic and beat Dublin. That's the worst possible thing they could do. That's the, the worst outcome here would be the Tyrone. Uh, employee their new attacking system defensive and put Matty Donnelly anyway. up front along with Cahill McShane Cahill McShane not Paul McShane um, <laughs> and end up beating Dublin because that's their, but then there are people who say Mark you're an absolute idiot they need you know you need to go out and win every game and they need to put doubt into Dublin's head but I think they should try and do that while playing while springing no surprises on them are play we them agreeing the that Donegal and Kerry is much of a muchness in the semi-final should Mayo not get through like, you know, are, are, are yeah. we playing for a position in the table? Not really, I don't think. Not to any like, real like, extent. Like, like. Like, for, yeah, like from Tyrone's perspective, they, like in your head, initially I would have thought, oh, they would have rather play Kerry because of what Donegal did to them earlier in the year. But then sure, Donegal have got a lot of injuries since then and they've also less seemingly defensive frailties and Kerry look like they're coming back into form. And I remember in 2017, the semi-final, 2017 or 2016, Kerry played Tyrone in the semi-final and absolutely annihilated them it was really really comfortable so I don't think either option is that much prefer- uh, preferable so I, yeah. I, I don't think that'll factor so, in so it's a pointless match so <laughs> what, what's the spread going to be you've already won Mark said before he had the, had the clue of the spreads this week he's proven it true so I, Dublin minus it's always bigger with Dublin you add two I was going to say minus six will I say minus eight don't no. ask me I'm sick you asking me uh, minus five uh, Dublin <laughs> minus six Morris wins with a one pointer again. It's Dublin minus four. Christ. It's in Oma, like uh, oh, sti- Dublin you know, beat every spread. Okay, I, but I just want to. I just want to put on record. This was the worst game against the handicaps of all time. It was four nil. We didn't get any right. Uh, we didn't get any on the nose at all. Morris got even, the ball, I, and he was way off with a few of them. Yeah, I didn't, even, uh, down. I didn't even think champ, champ. about the handicap might be there. I only just said minus six for the sake of. Catching Morris out because he changed it. He was like, minus six, should I go with minus eight? Minus five. Yeah. I was like, what? You were basically I think Cork I and Ross Common there I, in that last yeah, game. I didn't even have the Couldn't sa- give I, a shite. I didn't even have the right, <laughs> I didn't even have the right favourites in two out of the first three. <laughs> All right, lads, we'll chat to Roy Gruger next. Nobody counted us in all year. The media. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. All right, I'm delighted now to be joined on the line by Rory Grugan, Armagh footballer. Rory, how's the form? Not too bad. Um, I'm just taking in the, the last couple of weeks of the summer holiday before going back to school. That's yeah, that's the life. <laughs> Come here. We were just talking earlier in the podcast about um, about Armagh's year, and I suppose you've had a couple of weeks to think about it now. Like the the Mayo game was always such a sickener to lose it the way you did, but but as a whole, like how would you reflect on the year now? Yeah, 
I suppose it seems a long time ago now, even when they're out, like after watching all the Super 8 games and stuff. Um, but on the year as a whole, like I'd say we're fairly happy with it, but very frustrated that we weren't able to take that next step, especially when you saw how some of the games have gone since we've um, been out. Like in the Ulster campaign, it was obviously a big thing to get that victory um, after a few years without it. And I suppose there was a sense of having left something behind against Cavan too, especially the first day. Um, it would have been a big thing for us to get to that Ulster final. Um, but we recovered quite well, you know, with a good win against Monaghan. And then probably we're handed the hardest draw possible by going away to Mayo. But we sort of had said ourselves, if we were going to go further like and take that step to the Super 8, it was a case of um, beating some of the best teams. So, you know, we saw it as a good challenge. And I thought we gave a good enough account of ourselves. We were just very disappointed to come up short. Um Probably in the rest of the year as a whole, like if you look at the league, despite the fact that we were just up from Division Three last year, we would have had you know hopes of pushing for promotion. But um, with a couple of bad results in the middle of the league, and it's just a case then of consolidating. And I suppose then that would be a good target for us for, for next year. Yeah, it's funny. I remember on the podcast here we were talking about Armagh's year from from the neutral's perspective, right? And we kind of looked back over the last two years and all that that team have given kind of us. I mean, if you go back to last year, there was the the Clare and the Roscommon game, which are both brilliant. And I think it's you played a really attractive style of football. And then obviously this year you mentioned the Cavan game and the Mayo game as well, and both Cavan games obviously even against Down as well. Like, is there is there any solace that can be taken in in that as a player, or are you just kind of fixated on, especially at this stage, getting the results? I suppose it's a hard one. I've probably had this conversation with people before. Like, it's a bit of a catch twenty two. Like, would you rather be playing a certain type of football that is not good to maybe play or watch? And you win games, or you'd prefer to play football in a more expansive type of way, and you know to be the gallant losers. Like you know, in terms of neutrals watching the game, I'm sure people have enjoyed those games, like was common last year, like you say, and even Mayo again this year. We do get a lot of plaudits, probably. But like you ask any intercounty player, like no one wants to be a nearly man, or you know the pat on the back for your your nice performance. But you know it's time to move on, type of thing. So at the end of the day, we really do want results and you're always sort of looking for that small um, percentage maybe that you can shore things up defensively or how you get the best out of yourself just to try and take that next step. Like Ultimately, it is all about results, but you know, personally, I would always prefer to play football the way we play it, you know, and I do believe you can play that way currently and still get results. It's just about still, you know, tweaking a few things just so we can make sure we can get that balance right. Yeah, so is that nearly a definitive plan, I guess, for next year? Like, was that discussed that the next year, regardless, like, come what may, the, you just have to take that next step, whether that's, you know, get to a Super race or get to, to an Ulster final? It, 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 would you be talking in, like, definitives to that extent? Um, I suppose, like, we've been sort of nearly there, you know, for a couple of years. Sure. And we've found that when we play, like, Division One level teams, you learn so much from it. Like, even playing Tyrone earlier in the year, even though there's like just McKenna Cup and then coming up against Mona and against Cavan, you know, Roscommon or last year and then like Mayo this year. Um, you just sort of learn so much from those games. So I suppose like most teams you strive to play in Division One consistently so that you're getting that exposure, you know, all the time. Like so that you're learning so much from it. And then, you know, trying to bring that into championship where ultimately you want to take that next step. Like if you look at Look at Cork and look at Roscommon again. They're back in again for a second year in the Super Eight. They're getting better the whole time. And despite the fact that, you know, obviously they're playing each other this weekend, but they've both lost their first two games on the right of the championship, they still can take so much from it and would see serious progress from the year like that. But that's where we want to get to as well. You know, people say, oh, would you really want to go to the Super Eight? Are you sure you're ready for it or whatever? But that wouldn't be the way we look at it at all because. Like I say, you can see the massive ground even in Common from having been there last year and had a tough time to how much better they were this year and more competitive. So it's sort of, it's time to take those steps along the way. You know, everyone just wants to get uh, up to a higher level as you can. And, and those are the sort of steps we want to take. This year then really, uh, I, I presume you've kind of left it with a sense of excitement now looking into next year that you really want to get. Sometimes, you know, players that finish the season, they just want to get away from it for a while and just stop thinking about it. But was this one where it's actually, you just want to get back at it again because you got that taste of some of the big occasions throughout the summer? Yeah, it always is. Like, I suppose it's hard not to be excited. Like, 
when you see we've probably brought in a few fresh faces and stuff this year and boys have been back in they've been there before and we seem to have like got a good mix you know and it feels like like it's not it's not wasn't the end of something it's still something to keep pushing on with like obviously you take a bit of time away and boys are back with the club and stuff but like you go through so many months of spending time so much time with boys that you create a good bond and it's something that you want to keep pushing on like so you still be in touch with people and you know, it just sort of gives you the, the taste of it uh, and wanting to kind of go again and, and push on even more. You know, and obviously we're hoping things stay together um, like in management-wise and stuff as well so that we have that continuity because we feel like um, we're making good progress, you know, on, on a Yeah, Roy, on that idea of, of continuity with management, I think a lot of people would have seen there was that uh, anonymous letter in the Irish News to questioning McGinney's right now to... Thankfully, well, maybe not thankfully, but definitely from a player's perspective, it's been confirmed today that McGinney is going to look to stay on. He's going to go up ahead of the Armagh County Board on, on Monday to be ratified for that, to be voted in. How important is that for you? I think it's massive, to be honest. Um, like, I was glad to see kind of the reaction post that letter and stuff that you wouldn't even give it the, the credence that the person is trying to get from it. You know, the less said about it, the better, really. Um, <laughs> And I suppose the um, the big thing for us, like anyone looking in from the outside, would be able to see that like we are making progress and we're doing a lot of things right. And you know, we're, it feel it would look like we're on the cusp of keeping pushing on with that. And like I'd say, if you ask any man, it would give you the same answer. Like we feel that the setup that we have there it has been absolutely brilliant for us in terms of bringing things together in the last couple of years and. Like, we want to sort of get the results to show that. You know, we've started to do it slightly, but like I say, we're just not there yet. But we feel that keeping that management team together is sort of essential for that sort of progress. You know, you mentioned the style as well that I suppose that management team have have brought with you. And you mentioned that you think you can be successful with it. And it's interesting because we were just chatting about the, the Donegal-Mayo game and this idea that seems to be out there that Donegal might revert to be a bit more defensive against Mayo because Mayo seemed to struggle with that and I was thinking I, I, I don't know if that really makes sense when you look at what Kerry did to Mayo and what I mean I remember when you played against Mayo you had you had Reno O'Neill, Stephen Campbell um, Jamie Clark and yourself all started that day and then Nugent and Jamar Hall kind of did that hard work but it seems to me that there has yeah. been a, a kind of a gradual I suppose evolution towards that, that kind of game plan trying to force teams to, to move the ball along and kick back it's coming back coming back into vogue nearly despite the fact that you persisted with it maybe when defensive structures were, were kind of widespread it seems to be coming back around would that be fair to say? Yeah I think that is fair to say um, like even if you take what you mentioned at the start of the Donegal example like you see the game that they played against Kerry in Crook Park a couple of weeks ago like that was like open expansive football the whole time and like I suppose Donegal have got to a stage where they can mix it like and they didn't look out of place at all playing that game the deadly sort of forwards they have and, and the, the big men they have around the middle and everything like they're really able to mix it and like you say, we have tried to play that way, and I just think it suits the type of players you have. You know, you, you know, you can go a certain way with your tactics in terms of more defensively or whatever. But I suppose the key thing is trying to find a style that suits the players that you have in the field at any given time. Like, and the way the game's played now, it, it's so fluid. You know, the idea of positions and everything has really become sort of obsolete in terms of the traditional sense. Like when you lose the ball, it's an idea of fifteen defending within a certain shape, and then when you win the ball back, is it you know you tend to ultimately what we like to do is try to keep some men up the field so that you have that sort of kicking game. I know sometimes you can't do that; you have to play a running game. Like look at the best teams now; like everyone aspires to be like Dublin, where like if you give them the space, they'll kick the ball. Like they've showed they have that option of a long ball in the last couple of games. And they've shown how they're the masters against the man's defence, like they did against Toronto, you know, in 2017. So I suppose we would need to get better at being able to mix both things up the whole time. We would feel fairly like comfortable with that kicking game, but like you, you would always look for improvements in that style. But in general, sort of, I would think the championship's been really positive like this season, even compared to the last couple of years. Like really high scoring games, open. You can see teams have sort of realised that. Um, you can you can mix it both. You can play a lot of attacking way while also being sound enough at the back. Um, and it'll be interesting. I think like even that offensive mark that was trialed and stuff kind of made teams start to kick it again. And even though the rule was gone in the summer, they almost kind of continued 
with that notion, like without the rule being even there, and, and it has helped the game evolve further. So, yeah, you know when you say um, positions are obsolete, it's funny we on, we kind of debate a lot here. Like we, we talk about players like Ryan McHugh, um, and we we kind of don't know what position to refer them to as. I think we've we've settled on flyer in here, but like we we because we can't come up with a better term. But when you say positions are obsolete, like what does that transfer over? To? I, does that mean that? Like within dressing rooms, those you're not even referring to traditional old school positions, or that the the role itself has just been redefined. I suppose the roles have been redefined because of the way teams are playing. Like where it's almost like you defenders unit, attackers unit. So like within given games, you know there'll be matchups. Uh, like so, danger man. So for example, this weekend there'll be people marking, you know, Paddy McBrady, Ryan McHugh, Michael Murphy, um, and then outside of that. Like you, you say, right, they might defend with 13 when they lose the ball. Like, and within that structure, you, like you're literally a defender in terms of where you start to line of pressure is at 45 and the other side of the midfield. But you're, you're part of that sort of defensive structure as, a, as one of those, say, 10 players. And they might be keeping two or three men up. And then, like, if you suppose you're a more defined role, if you're one of those two left up as the kind of inside men or one of those three. And, um, and like outside of that, like I said, it's fairly fluid. Like the numbers in the back, you see Ryan McHugh wears five, but he's probably done a good most dangerous attacker. See him, I suppose, with likes of Petey Hart, like with a war seven and stuff, you know, and was so dangerous for them. It's just got to the point where, like, the idea of lining 15 out in a team program with 626 it doesn't make sense anymore because the game isn't played that way. And I suppose it's come to the point now where players. I've had to change their mindset where they're not saying, right, I'm a corner forward, my job is to win the ball and score, I'll play it off. Like, it's like, right, sometimes I might need to be back at my own 45, sometimes I might be inside, you know, sometimes I might have to kick it, whatever. It's literally just a case of being able to do everything. Like, probably a brilliant example is Paul Mannion for Dublin, like, because he's got the stage where he's not physically um, well developed, like, he can get up and down the field and make tackles in his own 14, but He's also sort of a deadly finisher inside. Like, so it's got to that point where you sort of need to be able to do everything. You mentioned matchups there. From your experience playing both Donegal and Mayo this year, is there anything that sticks out in your mind going into this game? We were talking earlier on about who takes Michael Murphy, things like that, that uh, could sway this game one way or the other. Yeah, I've actually suppose I would listen to plenty and read plenty of stuff on, on the GA, obviously, and then... Um, the whole kind of debate has been around who, who will pick up Murphy because there aren't too many physically in the same league as him. Like you would look at obviously Aiden O'Shea, but the fact that Michael Murphy would go inside at times and even be a centre half forward, that wouldn't be the right matchup. So there seems to be a lot of talk about Lee Keegan and that as well. But it's hard to know because I like he's at a level of his game at the minute where when he's in that groove or whatever, it, it seems like there aren't too many coping him. It's more just a case of limiting his influence because like, he's still going to do a lot of good things, but it's just trying to make sure that he doesn't tear it up the way he has been. Um, like when Donegal needs something, whether it's for him to sit in from a full back line like he did against me either, you know, the kick out he got towards the end of the throne game, obviously the free last week against Kerry, like he's just ready to stand up and do anything. So, it's more a case of limiting that. And I suppose when you look at Keegan's sort of um, history with marking the best players, like Conley and um, taking out Sean Cavanagh and different uh, jobs he's done, like he might be best match to do that. But like, it'll be real interesting to see who goes with McHugh as well because the two of them kind of dovetail real well together. Um, you know, and there's not, there's not too many can stay with McHugh either when he's that sort of form. So I think whoever kind of goes up against those two, if Mayo can out the right side of those, like one-to-one battles, um, they'll sort of be well in their way. Um, and we probably know firsthand with Mayo, like in terms of the atmosphere and everything that's in class of bar, like it looks like it's going to be a full house, like it, it can be deafening in there, so I'd say that could play a part in it too, like I'm actually really looking forward to watching just before you go, Rory, on that idea as well of, of how, how these teams were set up, like the, the one thing that strikes me, um, even when I was at the, the Galway Mayo game and going back to the game that you played, like whatever about how these teams set up or how Donegal, if Donegal decided to revert to be a bit more defensive, the thing that seems to be key is that the way Donegal actually transitioned out of that, the way they moved the ball, like they're way quicker than, say, a Galway and kind of a lot more purpose. 
And then when Mayo similarly have a similar thing where they, as you say, they drop kind of 13, 14 players back, but they seem to be able to move the ball quickly when they need to. Except against Yee, they were really frustrated in that. And there was a lot of aimless kick passing into an inside man at the time. And I think... Um, I think uh, Hughes got on a huge amount of ball that day as well. Like the that idea of slowing down the the transition is there anything that Donegal can target within that? I suppose, like in terms of stopping a team's transition, you, you see it now, and it's maybe not the nicest part of the game, but like you would notice a lot of probably fairly like deliberate fouling happening yeah. like at the breakdown of the ball. So like if there's a lot of men ahead of the ball, like you're in like a shape with a lot of men wide and the team's defending with numbers. Like, if, if you happen to like, misplace a hand pass or something, like, next thing it's bang, there's a big counter on, and I'm sure that they'd be looking for a kick to Jason Doherty or whatever at the outlet. Like, it's a case of maybe more cynical means, whatever you want to call it. If it's just the, the smallest foul, it's just like the kind of stop momentum where, you know, for that three to five seconds where you get them um, stopped or sometimes even just get them turned. Like, it's nearly like... Um, you know, with the Barcelona thing about the three seconds of getting the ball back, you know, if you can kind of hunt them enough to slow that initial break, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to give you the chance to get back and get that up. Because like, I suppose that's where I would see Owen Van Galler as a big miss because when Donegal went it back, um, say, for example, let him and McHugh go on and see him with uh, Mayo, like the, the pace they have at their half back with Dirk and can you get a boil in that? It's stopping that initial break just enough to get them slowed for whatever it is, five, ten seconds, so you get set up. Um, not that I'm promoting any of that cycle play, but I suppose that's just the reality that we've noticed maybe too. Coming up against the best teams is, is that wee bit of cuteness, you know, about how, how to manage the game a bit better. Yeah, I suppose um, all of us here are certainly looking forward to the game. It sounds like you are too. Roy, thanks a minute for talking to us today. No problem at all. Brilliant stuff from Roy there. Uh, always good to hear something interesting like that from a current Intercounty player. Right, Mark, you are so keen to bring up Ireland once again and overshadow Ireland a football brain. weekend. Yeah. Right, lads, you know the rules here, the yes-no game show, uh, but this time it's not name a random hurler that I'm thinking of. It's can you guess what Davy Fitzgerald's favourite movie is? But also, you're not really going just against each other here. It's, it, you also need to kind of think this of this as a joint effort because I think there's not a hope of you getting Okay, this. so it's not the Shawshank Redemption is what you're saying It's not me. the Shawshank right, Redemption. Okay, I'll start off so. Is it a film from the 21st century? Yes. Wow. From the 21st century? Yes. We'll make it oh. go again. Oh, sorry. Is it a comedy? No. Um, is it an action movie? Not really, no. Is it a horror? It's not. Is it a romantic movie? Ah, uh, would you say it's romantic? I'm going to say it. No, it's not really a romantic movie. But I'm, I'm go. I actually, I haven't even watched this film yet. Is it, is it a thriller? But, uh, no, I'm going to go. With, I'll let him go with romantic. It's not like don't think there's romance in it, but romance comes in many different guises, Morris, as is, you well know. Is it a cartoon movie? No, Mick. Is it? Would it be over 18s, Mark? No, it's PG 13. PG 13. What would that be in Ireland? 15s, I suppose. Yep. Right. 12s. Right, lads, I haven't a clue. <laughs> I don't know where what, we are. Would we I'm know? going to give you a hint, right? It's the categories that is down as on IMDb is drama, history, and sport. So sport's a big one. Now, lads, right. come on, try and fish here. Is there any like? Do you know? Is Al Pacino in it? Is Al, Al Pacino's very specific question? And oh, Al Pacino is not in it. Were <laughs> 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 you just thinking about a given Sunday? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know actually worse than uh, Kevin from Galway and Amy from Calvary? Could you go up to the ceiling with him? Is, is it an American movie? It is an American movie. Is it? And it's a sport movie. It's a sports movie, but it's not a cartoon. It's not a cartoon. Um, Friday Night Lights is doing a great job here of asking all the questions that have already been asked Fr- <laughs> Friday Night Lights you're not going to just jump in no you are because we're going together now it doesn't oh, matter yeah, we're, 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 we're together now so right what, uh, what possible sports was is it American sport? football is it American football no it's not is it baseball no basketball it, no hockey no ah for fuck's sake bowling <laughs> no but it's American it's an American it's, it's an American, American sport it was nominated lads for seven Oscars <laughs> what is it driven it's not driven. Is it? Is it driving? No. Do you know it, Sean? What Sean knows it? it. No, don't. Sean, I can't he, say oh, it. he already knows. Sorry. Okay. 
Uh, it stars someone who was a superhero, but wasn't in the current Marvel. Uh, Christian Bale. No. No, not so. Like, the, the, you know the Marvel of all these superhero films coming out now. Yeah. He was that of that ilk, but he's not in that current, uh, what would you take to call it, interpretation. It's Hobie Maguire. Yes. And it's about sport. I didn't realise I just pointed at you there to say yes to this other podcast. And it's about sport. Come on, lads, get there. Do I know it? Oh, Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there are probably people at home screaming for another month if I didn't get the Tommy McGuire clue and I wouldn't have even thought of horse racing. I told his lads it was impossible to get. That comes courtesy of Arigiri's uh, Instagram story. <laughs> They're filming uh, the newest season of Ireland's Fittest Family. Oh, fair play. Watching Sea Biscuit with Davey would be a great competition prize, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's own commentary on it. Well, probably not actually. No, be awful. I, I don't know. Terrible. I, I so, for your anything. chance to win an opportunity to watch Sea Biscuit with Davey, please send us in suggestions for what next week's Yes No Game Show topic should be. <laughs> Take it easy, lads. Enjoy the weekend's games.